and whether you run a business, whether you're a single guy or whether you're crazy and have eight kids like me, um, you know, you need to pre-plan your time and your life in a time of non-conflict. And a lot of these leadership type skills, um, they'll serve you in all areas of life and they've certainly served us well. And so um, it's certainly controlled chaos. But, um, you know, good parenting is waking up and executing your family's plan for that day. And um, that's... Hello, everybody. My name is Jeremy Franchese, and you are listening to First Floor Conversations, where the view at the top is only as good as the foundation which preserves it. Today on episode 59, we are joined by Brad Zood. Brad and his wife, Greta, are the people to talk to when it comes to parenting, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. This year, Brad and his wife welcomed their eighth child into the world. As if eight kids weren't enough, Brad and his wife are best-selling authors in the parenting space, as well as have a top 50 podcast where over 50,000 people tune in each and every month, not to mention a whole other mess of things relating to parenting, coaching, and consulting uh, in that space. And so, Brad, a happy belated birthday, and uh, and welcome to the show. Um, how are you? Appreciate you yeah, stopping thanks, by for a man. little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me. It sounds uh, I'm I'm overwhelmed just by listening to that intro uh, of everything that we try to juggle and do, and that is pretty pretty wild. When someone actually like <laughs> articulates my life back to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's crazy. Like that's so much. That's it's ten pounds lot. in a five pound bag. <laughs> it's a lot going on, and and uh, when we first connected, it was it was a function of recognizing exactly that. Like I, you know, I'll be the first to admit. And for those listening, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you're on the audio, the video, whichever place you're stopping by, thank you. Um, and for those that have seen, like last month was our best month ever when it came to community, downloads, plays, whatever metric you want to look at. Um, and so I want to say thank you for whomever and however you're tuning in. Um, today we're talking parenting. It's something I wanted to talk about. And I don't have kids. I'm not married. I'm not. Um, and, and so for me, I, you know, I, I was reaching out to some friends and they were asking, you know, they were asked like, why do you want to talk about parenting? And it was, it was really around the framework of like, I've always had my hands in a lot of things. I have, we, we do a charity that, that we take some time with the artists for good collective. We, I do the podcast, been doing this for about 18, 18 to 20 months. Um, that whether it's my full-time sales job or it's, you know, uh, some other things I do on the side, like I liked the controlled chaos. I get so bored doing one thing. But I also recognize that having a family matters. You know, like my, I grew up in a household where I have an, you know, uh, an Italian Catholic father and a Jewish mother, right? So family is always important. But when sure. I realized what you had uh, and what you and Greta had built really, which is a life around family, but also the business side. For me, that scratches an itch. I, I'm, I just, I wanted to talk about it. I was so, so many questions. Um, and I think a lot of people right now are having a tough time balancing being great parents the attention, how do you modify behavior and manage the attention of, of your kids? Well, yeah. now you're, now you're a private chef, right? Now you're working from home. It, it's like, what the heck is going on? And I sure. wanted to have a conversation with somebody that not only is immersed in this space, but man, eight kids, y'all have done something right. If you run profitable companies and you have eight kids that all have their limbs and everything's in one piece. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's amazing, but you know, it's, it's just like good business uh, or, you know, basketball team or a football team or whatever. It's about, you know, in a time of non-conflict. So not, not while things are on fire, or not while the milk got spilled or not while a new employee, you know, in a time of non-conflict in practice, you know, whatever you're getting on the same page, you're making a game plan, you're organizing your life. And then, you know, you wake up every day and the goal is to execute the plan that you preset, right? You know, just like a football team gets in the huddle, they go out and play. And, and, and whether you run a business, whether you're a single guy or whether you're crazy and have eight kids like me, um, you know, you need to pre-plan your time and your life in a time of non-conflict. And a lot of these leadership type skills, um, they'll serve you in all areas of life and they've certainly served us well. And so um, it's certainly controlled chaos but, um, you know, good parenting is waking up and executing your family's plan for that day. And um, that's, that's really what it's all about. You know, we thrive on structure and mm -hmm. uh, I love we, it. We would just be lost if, if we didn't just have everything meticulously lined up, if we didn't study each of our children, you know, I mean, like it, 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 um, it takes a lot of hard work. It's like owning your own business, you know, it takes a lot of hard work, but you're not you're not work. you know, what's really hard is working 80 hours a week at a job you hate, right? That's hard work, you know, but right. so it's like with parenting, you know, you, you're self-disciplined enough 
and then that translates over and um, it's really not, not too bad. Although my wife is it's, obviously, you know, the one that gets to uh, play conductor of most of those things. And, right. And we'll, we'll dive into that. There were some questions and for those listening, I did pull the community a bit, seeing what are the questions we have. Um, but look, grab, grab something to take notes with. I mean, I have a pen and paper. If you see me looking down, you're watching videos like the, the, there's always one guiding factor here beyond just the, the thesis of first floor conversations. It's, it needs to be entertaining as hell, but actionable and practical. And, and, the, <laughs> and, and the goal is to be able to walk away with this with a little bit of understanding because I don't have kids. I'm not married, but I do know this. I've been around enough people that have kids where it's, it's challenging to manage it. If you have business career aspirations, whether it's the fitness life, if now having kids, you're not in the gym as much, like it's something to, it is something you have to manage. And there's no North star, whether you draw from a religious faith-based framework, or maybe you don't, you're modeling behavior off of whatever information you have. And so today the goal is knowing you've consulted and coached 1200 parents, there has to be some consistency. And so before we dive in, Brad, help us build a bit of a framework for those that maybe haven't heard of you, don't know you or Greta and, and, the, and the, the, the work you guys have done. Let's start from, from the basics of, of where's home, where are you from, uh, and kind of how you got where you are. I'd love to unpack that. Yeah, I sometimes I, I, I look back and go, how in the world did we get where we are? Right. That's for sure. But yeah, so um, yeah, we live in Iowa. And, um, you know, fast forward a bunch of time, I met my wife in college at University of Iowa, fell madly in love, got married a year to the day later. And, um, That's amazing. you know, uh, ended up kind of what started it all is we had good friends who were um, taught parenting classes at our church. And we we just we knew we wanted a family. We had discussed these things like family was really important to us. We both came from great families and, uh, we're like, you know, man, we, we want to have a great family. And, uh, so we ended up actually attending parenting class before we ever had our first child. So like you have to, you have to imagine this scene. I mean, you know, and, and maybe you'll do this someday, but like literally walking into parenting class and like everyone's sitting around the room, you know, introducing themselves. Oh, Bobby's four and Sally's two. And you know, all this kind of stuff. We're like, yeah, we don't have kids. And everyone's like, I mean, I, I, I could have said I farted and it would have went over better. Right. I mean, everyone just looks at me like, like I'm crazy. Right. And, uh, but we just knew that uh, we wanted to be good at it. And we knew like anything else, good families and good children and, and good relationships. They don't just, they don't just happen. You know, it takes, takes work and effort. And so, um, so our, uh, so we were going to be like the golden child, right? Like this couple who was teaching the class, they're like, never had anyone like us before as, as far as our early on interest and all this. And so we studied and then we got pregnant. We got to tell everyone in the class that we were pregnant and all this stuff. Everyone's so excited. And then we had a baby and, and, and in the parenting class, it was like getting your baby sleeping through the night and toddler and all this stuff. So we're like, oh, we're prepared. We got that. No big deal. And then Attica, our firstborn, was born and didn't sleep through the night. Oh, my gosh. And we were, like, mortified and embarrassed. And, like, here we were supposed to be, like, the next big thing in parenting. And we faltered. And it was really, it was really like, um, I don't know, it was a really dark time. Like, I mean, you know, there's, there's not too much that can really prepare you for kids. Um, but what, see what we didn't plan for, it's not that like we lack the knowledge on what to do, but we didn't account for the amount of emotional and mental stress and change in our marriage. And like those ooey gooey factors, you know, um, that really had us really threw us for a loop, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so we reached out to someone else, a friend of a friend, and, um, he was essentially a, a baby sleep consultant, really. And, you know, she told us, she's like, hey, it's going to be okay. Have you done this? Have you started this? You know to do this. Have you done this? You know, and just really went through the basics with us and just helped us, you know, sort our thoughts and everything. And, and like immediately thereafter, baby got sleeping through the night, everything came back and it was like this big, you know, resurrection and, and all this kind of stuff. But we learned something. We're like, hmm, you know, that's really, that's really interesting. You know, it wasn't the, it wasn't the head knowledge that was really like the kicker. Right. And, and, you know, it's kind of like, 
I mean, I'm, I, I literally have like, I don't know, crap from, you know, like taco, fast food, whatever, from my favorite taco place. Nice. But it's like, it's like, I know that I shouldn't eat carbs and sugar all day, right? Like I have the intellectual knowledge that carbs and sugar are not good for me, right? But right. I'm literally doing it right now and I spent all day doing it, right? So it's like, what's, you wanna lose weight? Like what's that it factor, right? And, and it's the emotional and mental support to do what you uh, know, you know, most of the time needs to happen. I mean, you know, the, the personal trainer industry is like a whatever billion dollar industry. I mean, imagine this, you, you pay money to go belong to a business and then you pay someone more money to make you use the business, right? It's right. like, why, why is that? You know, I, I have the $10, I know where the treadmills are. I know right. how to run. Like there's not, I'm not missing anything except the discipline to do so. It's the accountability piece. Well, it's, it, it, what's interesting is uh, I was reading um, the, the, the industry of courses and things of that sort has just, I mean, the last five to seven years, is, it has exploded. So for me, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a, a curiosity drives everything. Again, like I don't like the podcast, like I, I'm very curious by design. And it's like, the, it's like, okay, there's a gazillion people selling courses. What's the, what's the adoption rate of the content material being acquired? It's like below 75, 80%. Like the majority of people buying things aren't actually using it, right? They need, they need somebody to help them really bring it home. And, but, but again, back to your point, parenting is a playbook. It's, it's, and there are some things I want to talk, talk about that, that are a little bit more intimate, right? You touch about, uh, you touch about being the strongest influence in your child's life. How do, how do you build a, a strong relationship with your child while modifying it and, and directing behavior without losing the relationship with your child? Uh, the same, I, I wonder the same thing about your, like in my, a wife. How do you have a, a company, two companies, a full, full-time full world outside of your family that does deserve your full-time attention, right? You can't halfway build a company to the moon by accident because you spend two hours with it. You have to, you got to sure. plug in, right? So how do you how do you do things in a, in a way where you don't lose the relationship with your kid, but to your point, it changes your marriage. How do you not lose the relationship or modify the relationship with your significant other so that it, it becomes a growth opportunity, not friction, right? And so before we get into the heat of those things, because I, I think that we'll, we'll work our way there, I'd love to unpack how you ultimately shifted from um, being a professional in the, in the, in the workforce, having, uh, being married with, to Greta, having Annika, your firstborn. Um, and, and what was the transition of taking really what was building a family as a part of your life to creating your life around the concept of family because there had to have been a lever there where you and maybe Greta as well saw this as we want to make this more than just a part of our life hence the podcast the sleeping the coaching the whole world that you've built the the platform do you was there a moment was there an event that made you guys realize this is what we're meant to do wow <laughs> so many so many so much good things in there so you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, I didn't realize, you know, so in the course world and in the marketing world and all this kind of stuff, it's like, you know, find your superpower and, you know, right. someone out there, you know, uh, can benefit from your superpower. And for the longest of time, like I didn't even really view this as a superpower. And I think that's, you know, a lot of people's issue is that they don't they don't value what they what they can do in relation to others you know what i mean like yeah okay you know how to tie your shoes okay well guess what there's people in the world that don't and you could you could you know teach them how to do that right all the all the way down to basics and so we we just um we just put it out there and knew knew that we could help people mm -hmm. um and when, when you're really actually good at something, see everyone who, anyone can go out and put out a course, but there's really two requirements to, to really separate the men from the boys. And, <laughs> and you know, the first thing is you have to actually really deliver the goods. Like, like I will get your baby sleeping. Okay. Like I, like I will do that. It's not guesswork. Like I know how to do that. Like your toddler, if you have a toddler, we have an amazing toddler program, by the way. Um, if your toddler is misbehaving, like I will help, I will show you 
not only show you how to get your toddler behavior, but I will stick with you until you make the result. Like that's my superpower. Like we know how to do that. And so when you can actually really deliver the goods, um, and then, and then number two is, you know, just building out things and sticking with it and, you know, giving value and all that kind of stuff. But, um, that's so, so we have this like tipping point of like realizing how good we were at it. Cause like, you know, at first like we screwed up, then we finally fixed it and we didn't really think. And then like, so our friends, you know, start to have babies, you know, you go through that phase. It's like the wedding phase where everyone's getting married and then it's like the baby, you know, and like people were calling us. They're like, Hey, how did, how did you guys get your baby sleeping? We're like, well, you do this and you do this and you do this. And they'll call us back like a week later. They're like, Oh my gosh, this is this. And then like their friends would call us. And then pretty soon it was like, uh, yeah. Are you, are you guys the people that get baby sleeping that I heard from my cousin's brother's uncle's niece's nephew, you know, right. like, it travels. You're like, unplug it. The switch is on the back. <laughs> oh yeah. Like crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, that's kind of like when we're like, Hmm, this is really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a need here for this. Of course. So, and, and, and it grows from there. And, and obviously you, you are and to what we were just talking about before we, we recorded. I mean, like, you guys have been in the business world, whether it was car dealerships, whatever it may be, it, business has been the framework you've been working with for well beyond the, the, the framework of your parenting businesses sure. and that, that experience. As you started to develop the, I don't want to say the, the thesis and your approach to parenting, um, were there certain guiding principles that you drew from that were uh, – that, that you learned along the way, whether it was from a, a church background and a faith-based uh, direction or from things you observed. I'm, I'm very curious on how you ultimately built the, here's the right way to ask it. There's a way, when we talk about cooking, I, lo- I love cooking, I've been cooking for years. Most people ask for the recipe, not why those ingredients were selected, right? Anybody can look at a recipe and put some things together and, and build a dish. I'm more curious on what made that chef pick that ingredient to make that contribution in the dish. How did you build the ingredients that have created the, the success you guys have found? Yeah, well, you know, in, in business, business is obviously just solving problems. And Correct. if you, uh, most businesses and products out there solve a portion of the problem uh, most of the problem, some of the problem, half of the problem. Um, and you know, what we discovered when we really like, all right, this is going to be a business let's, but, but I, we can't be the first to want to be a baby sleep consultant or a toddler behavior expert. So like, let's see what, what, you know, the blue ocean strategy, right? Let's go That's out and book. see what the competitors are doing right? and see what they're priced at, see how they do it. And, you know, most most course people, people who sell courses, uh, mm-hmm. and most people who help, they take the lazy way out and they sell information. And selling information is is fine, um, but it doesn't produce results necessarily, right? Very few people. They don't adopt okay. it. Yeah, they read it. They look. It's it's like it's like what people are experiencing right now with virtual schooling. I get you have the textbook, but are you truly? Is it is it banking to memory, or are you just staring at the page and checking off the assignment? Right. You know, in, information is, is in, in excess right now. It's knowledge that's the difficult part. Right. Very few people in the world can, you know, be heading in this direction, take constructive criticism, read something, and pivot, and do that without you know, the world falling apart. So, um, you know, that's, that's really what we, we figured out is that most people are selling information and based on our own experience, it wasn't information. Like I, we started like, no, no, I'm going to go out on a limb and say less than 10 people in, in America have prepped harder for a baby than we have. Right. I mean, we graduated the course, like all the stuff and it was crazy. And that, that wasn't the key. And when we found that, that became our blue ocean strategy, right? It was like, everyone's selling information. Okay. That doesn't work. We're we're not going to do that. We are going to, uh, spend the emotional time, effort, and energy to make sure that they actually do the information. Right. And obviously we think we had better information, right? But this is the key. And that's why 
we blew up so fast. That's why we became number one best-selling authors because the approach that we took was like, Hey, we're going to, we, we get, so, so like I literally, we literally guarantee baby sleep and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, you right. guarantee baby sleep. You can't do that. Like, how can you guarantee a baby to sleep? Right. And we know that if our process is followed, your baby will sleep right? That's the science, right? The art is making sure they follow this process. And so we designed our program to make sure they follow this process and they have to flat out, like, it, it's like they have to lie to us and they can't even lie to us because we know that they didn't do the work if they didn't do the work. Right. So right. it's like, we are there with them. Just like that personal trainer at the gym saying, no, no, we're not stopping at three miles. We're going to five miles. Keep going. Suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. Right. <laughs> and right. so and so that 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 was the key and that's why we became who we did. So it's it's driven through accountability but it's rooted in quality information. That part makes sense. Do me a favor. Timestamp your journey on the parenting side. So you had Annika at what point and then walk us through the development of like was your like was Greta pregnant for a decade straight? Like <laughs> Yeah, like, like what did that look I'm curious what that looked like because pacing of children is another conversation all in its own. Yeah. So we have eight kids. Our oldest Annika just turned 12 all the way down to Aubrey, who is three and a half months and no twins. No, you know, nothing. It's all no our twins. marriage. All I'm only married once Greta and I, all of our kids, no, you know, no stragglers in there. And, uh, <laughs> right. Not that we uh, know of at least. <laughs> and, um, I probably shouldn't say that or say it like that, but, uh, um, I'll say it and, for you. I yeah. don't think I have any kids, but you know, yeah. And so we got married, um, in 2006, waited two years to have children and mm -hmm. then began having children essentially from 2008, you know, over the last 12 years and just really, you know, so we're a conservative Christian family and, you know, mm -hmm. we, we trust God with our finances. We trust God with our problems, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we decided to trust God with the number of children we would have too, right? Like, you know, how many people do you know that want to get pregnant and can't and who, who can't, you know, all this stuff. And, Right. And people take that for granted a little bit. They just think, oh, you get married and you have kids and everyone can do it. And, no, and I think it, one in four, one in four women experience, uh, uh, don't fact check me if you're listening. I believe it's, I believe it's like 23% of women have experienced, um, a miscarriage. Like it's like, it's like very, very, very common for women to, to struggle <laughs> with getting pregnancy completion. It, it is not a given to your point yeah. at all. You know, so if you're fortunate eight times, six times, however many is your opportunity, right? Right. Yeah. And so what's, what's interesting about this though, is that, and, and this is kind of the way for any family. So like when you have your first child, okay. So like before you have your first child, your husband and wife, you're like doing whatever you want. You're hanging out at a friend's house, you know, you know, work is your only really constraint in life. You know, you don't have right. your parents and you know, whatever. So you're hanging out and then your first baby comes along and then it certainly changes, but you know, you're still, pretty much living your life. I mean, a child can go to your friend's house and stay the night while you, you know, stay up late and play cards or do whatever you want to do. And then the second one comes along and it starts to get kind of different. And then, you know, sometimes you have a toddler running around and, and it's kind of like this point to where, you know, and then you have more kids and more kids and more kids like us. And it, it just becomes, you somehow swing over into like, all right, we are a unit. Like we're officially, we've gone from like two people who basically do whatever they want to now we have groupthink and we move and operate together as a unit, um, you know, just like a soldier would in his battalion, right? I mean, they're just, it's all about everyone in this group, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and that's, that's really one of the big, the big shifts uh, in, in our home when we did, because, and so what, once you get to that groupthink kind of mentality, you know, that, that usually happens at like three to four kids ish, you know? Right. And, um, but then once you're in the group think mentality, um, whether you have four or five or six, it doesn't, you know, you, you have to heat the house anyway, you know, you have the clothes, you know, what's, what's one more box of macaroni and cheese. Like it's really not that big a deal to have more children at that point, you know? So once right. you tip, tip past that, it's, it's not right. easy, but it's, well, and then it's a question of what is it that you would like for your family and you're building that vision yep. together. Yep. I want to dive into a couple things and we're going to inject some questions from the community. This one being one, I think is a, is a, is a timely one to throw in here as we dive through it, which is, do you and your wife divide the responsibilities and have 
clear guidelines or, or expectations <laughs> for household needs, kid-related things. Um, what does that look like in, in an environment? And this goes for two kids or eight kids. It's about what do you expect from your partner so that everybody moves in a frictionless environment? What does that look like for you and for Greta? Yeah, for sure. So, and again, you know, we're conservative Christians, so we take a very biblical approach to how marriage works. You know, my wife, Greta stays home with the children, obviously, and we homeschool them. Um, you know, my, I'm in charge of my home, right? So, so spiritually and from a leadership standpoint, I'm in charge of my home now to, to, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not speaking to the effectiveness that I do that, but on, you know, by design, right. that's what I am. But my wife is the day-to-day operations manager of our home. Right. And so I, I lean on her lots because she's the one that spends the bulk of the time and knows the ins and outs and all these sorts of things. And, and, um, she's the one that learns, you know, how to, how to manage and, and piece all these things together. So it's not like, Oh, I'm in charge of the boys and she's in charge of the girls, or I'm in charge of the upstairs and she's in charge of the downstairs. You know, she, ha- she has a really good working system between chores and meal planning and meal prep and all those sorts of things that all of our kids participate very heavily in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but we, we talk and we talk and we communicate and we talk and we talk and communicate and communicate and talk. And, and it takes, it takes a lot of effort on her part. And it takes a lot of patience on my part to, you know, guys don't overly like to communicate with women and their wives and all those sorts of things and, and listen. And those are all the things that we're not good at traditionally and myself included. And so, you know, it takes a lot of game planning, a lot of prepping, you know, but she's, she's kind of more micromanager and I'm more macro manager, you know, is how we would separate those things. Um, not leaving her to make the whole grand plan and design. Um, you know, I kind of make that, you know, we, we use the analogy, um, of, uh, you know, if your car breaks down and, you know, someone's got to sit in the driving wheel and steer and someone's got to get out and push. Right. And it's like, my job is to guide where we're going and her job is to kind of make it happen, you know? So Mm -hmm. makes sense. So there is clarity on some roles. There's some clarity on expectations when, when it, and I, and look, I think that's whether it is a, a traditional Christian value set, or if it's somebody that I don't care if you're atheist, I think Having clarity on what you expect from your partner is important. I, I you know, and and I, I think something that I've been more and more passionate about recently is the communication piece. Not because communication is important; it's because we live in an environment where access to information is more abundant than ever. We're constantly being triggered to look at things, pull things. Our attention is constantly being pulled at. And 30 years ago, when you took a road trip across country and you're driving state to state, you rolled out a map, you drew a line, and you figured out we need to drive 20 miles that way, and you set sail in motion. You didn't worry about course correcting because you didn't have enough information to course correct frequently. Nowadays, you are sitting at Waze, Google Maps, 200 feet at a time, checking to see, are we on track? Are we missing? Is there traffic? Should we go another way? We're constantly trying to rec- <coughs> you know, address where we're going. And I think when you apply a similar approach to the relationship, you can set a game plan to go somewhere, right? If I want to go from Washington, D.C., where I'm based right now, and I want to end up in L.A., right, the only way to drive there is 200 miles at a time. But if you're not course cracking and checking, your one degree off ends up in Seattle. So there's a level of having that long-term vision, but you got to talk about what are we doing? Are we on track? Is it working? When you're consulting with parents, is that a conversation you're typically working with them on of like, how do you con- you know, talk with your spouse or second name of other, this isn't working, you know, whether it's roles or expectations, is that a, is that a, a topic you guys address? You know, and again, every, everything in parenting applies to life, but you, you have to solve problems the correct way. Okay. And, and so many people in, in their relationships, they don't solve the problem the correct way. And so let, let's get to the root of the issue, not the fruit of the issue, right? Well, so if, if, if a mom, for example, is struggling um, to her, you know, uh, toddler is, uh, you know, hitting others, okay? And we talk all about toddler hitting and some things that you can do and this and that, but it turns out that the real issue behind why she's not having success is because their mother-in-law lives with them. 
and their mother-in-law hates, uh, you know, uh, spanking, let's say. Right. And, but the, but the, but the mom, you know, wants to do that and thinks she should feel she should, but the mother-in-law lives with them and, and she feels like she can't do that. So the real issue is that, right? How, how can I mend, how can I coach the mom to have a mature level-headed conversation with their mother-in-law to where we guide them and say, Hey, Hey, uh, you know, all the way down to asking, okay, okay, Sally, here's what I want you to say to your mother-in-law. I want you to say, Hey, mother-in-law, I'd like to talk to you about something that's been on my mind later tonight after dinner. And you set up, you know, I'm like coaching them exactly. Don't say anything more. You'll screw it up. Just set the appointment that you want to talk to, you know, about something important. Then at that, you can say, Hey, you know, here, da, 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 I'm the mom in charge. We love having you in our home, but you're not the authority in your home and you're not ultimately responsible for raising our children. This is what we're going to do. I understand that you don't like it, but that's what we're going to do. And if, you know, while we're spanking or whatever, uh, you know, you don't like it, you can feel free to go outside or go in the basement, but this is what's going to happen. Right. And, and, and it's solving the problem at that level. Um, and even with your wife, you know, like, you know, like I, I can tell like, you know, Greta, who's fabulous, by the way, but if she, <laughs> if she, if I come home and do like the smallest thing wrong and she's like super grumpy and like just has a big reaction to the fact that I didn't put my shoes away or something, um, you know, I go, hmm, I bet this probably wasn't really about the shoes, you know, clearly there's something going on or maybe this was about that thing last week, you know, right, right. we got to fix problems the right way. No, so. make, makes sense. It's also being a little bit patient in your assertion. Don't just try to grab the low-hanging fruit. Take time to process. What's actually the problem here? What, what is sure. going on, right? It's not the shoes. Sure. There's something that, that we need to touch on. Um, you touch on influence, and and you, it seems to be a guiding you know, principle through a lot of the coaching. How can you be the strongest influence and the right influence on your children? Sure. Now, in Let your ecosystem – no worries. Uh, my, I know my lighting's a little I – was, I was telling uh, – I'm getting fuzzy I, uh, here. I don't know why. I, I did a uh, I did a solo episode uh, that dropped Tuesday, and I was talking about like I'm waiting on some new lighting and stuff, but we'll, we'll Jerry rig this thing together. Um, yeah. That's the thing I love about podcasting as long as as long as the dialogue is good, things things roll. But um, what was I gonna say the, about uh, influence? Yeah, so so this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, right? So where you homeschool your kids, a lot of par- most parents don't, right? So when you think about influence, if we look at a 24 hour day. You have, let's say your kids sleep six to eight hours. Let's just pretend that that is what most kids do, right? Then they go to school after they're five, right? Maybe preschool or some early age education, uh, depending on the affiliation with, again, church or community. Then they're at school with teachers and other, other students, classmates, peers, other influences for eight hours a day, right? So if they're sleeping six, they're at school for eight, 14 hours out of the 20, there's 10 left, their travel time, like, when you really boil it down, it's not unrealistic to think on a given day if you're not homeschooling your children, you may only have three to five decent hours with them on a daily basis where, in fact, you are actually the minority influence from a time stamp. And that can be very, very challenging because you want to make an impact, but you're ultimately not who their their, their peers are influential, their teachers, their staff. So I, I'd love to unpack on the front end of building the influence in a world where let's pretend you have an abundance of time with them. Let's say you control everything 24 hours a day and then shift it into the piece where at some point COVID isn't going to be as current and and as important. And we're going to have people going back to school and doing what they do. And you won't have as much intimate time with your kids. When you have as much time as you do, how do you approach building that influence so that it's strong, it's positive, and, and it's in the right direction? Sure. Well, there, 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 there are a few answers to this. So again, we're blessed because you know we do homeschool our kids. We spend an inordinate. Not only do we spend an inordinate amount of time with our kids, pumping the positive, or, or I should say, you know, promoting our values. Right. Um, but we don't have to spend too much time defragging. Right. Fixing the, other people's crap. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the learned things that we would not want them to learn. You know, most parents, most parents, um, aren't even able to, you know, uh, reverse 
the bad thinking that their children get inundated with, mm -hmm. let alone have time to lay the right answers and the good groundwork that they want to have happen. You know what I mean? It's like constantly tearing, you know, constantly doing this, tearing down what they, they, they heard and learned all day. Um, and so we're, we're very fortunate and very blessed. And, you know, the, there's not really a right or wrong answer, but you know, if you want to be the strongest influence in the life of your child, you could do that and still send your kids to public school. I'm not saying you can't, but it, it just takes a lot more work. You know, everyone's like, Oh, eight kids and this and that. I, I spend more time with my eight kids and they learn more about my value system than most do with their two that they send to public school. Right. So of course, we're very fortunate, but you know, influence if, if so if you're limited on influence, so, so if you, if you send your kids to school and you're listening to this, you're like, Oh my gosh, how do I become the strongest influence in life? My child, it's about the equation. Okay. And so it's, it's, it's not about every single issue that comes up. It's about training an algorithm in your child's brain so that no matter what comes at them, they know how to properly process that information based on the morals and standards and belief that you want them to have. So for example, um, counterfeit money. Okay. There's, there's no possible way that the FBI or, or whoever um, could know and study and be intelligent on all the different ways and things people can counterfeit. So they don't study counterfeit. They study the real thing. They study the real $100 bill that's never changes. That's the standard. And so that's what we do with our children. So that no matter, no matter what new counterfeit bill comes their way, they can analyze it and put it through the equation of, okay, a real one has this, this, and this let's check this and see if it has this, this, and this, and it doesn't matter, you know? So, so, so the, the, the goalpost never moves. And so we have to teach our children how to process information. So most, so most Christians, in my opinion, and there, and there's certainly, there's certainly a line to what I'm about to say. So some people may disagree with where the, the moving target is for the standard, but let's just take Harry Potter and let's take Harry Potter with a 12 year old girl. Okay. And let's say they're a Christian and they, you know, have high standards, morals, and values. Well, is it okay for that 13 year old to watch Harry Potter? Well, let's talk about that, right? If she has no way to interpret and no way to critic, think critically about what's going on in, in Harry Potter and how that squares up and matches up to the family's morals and values, it might be a bad idea because she might be then swayed away by wanting to be a witch or a warlock or I don't even know. I've never seen it, but you know, you know I've what I'm saying? Like four of them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I know what you mean. Though. There's no, there's no context to understand what is and what is not directly yep. applicable to their active decision-making. Yep. Yep. So for us, you know, um, again, you know, we're, we're conservative Christians, but if, 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 um, um, you know, if my children, um, you know, see a book, um, you know, oh, you know, Johnny has two dads. Mm -hmm. Well, we've taught them that the filter, you know, oh, hey, you know, God says, you know, let a man and woman be joined together. And that's the standard that we would train. And so then they, they would be able to, in our worldview that we're teaching them, they would be able to go, hey, that's weird because that's not the standard that we've been taught. And so they can process that appropriately. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, um, uh, shelter them. You can't see that. Oh, no, oh, no. It's no, teach them to process it and, and because it's life, right? It's the world we live in, so. Of course, there's also a lot of ways to build it. And today more than ever, there's more iterations than there have been, whether it's gender or it is marriage, equality, it is everything. There's more options than there's ever been, that's for sure. <laughs> there's more, well, and they have to be able to understand and form an opinion, right? At the end of the day, you want your kids to be able to form an, a, a well-informed, well-intentioned opinion yep. and, and be able to take action in a way that they may not be right every time, but it was with the right intent and it was with decency in mind, you know? Mm -hmm. um, sure. And so when, when considering working with, with parents that, again, I think, I think the, the broader audience in particular with listening here, they don't homeschool, which is where some of the questions are driving. Sure. Um, 
balancing work and, and and home, right? I know right now in the conversations I'm having with some coworkers, even if, if they're listening to this, they struggle with the fact that they're plugged in working with their kids in the other room. <coughs> they feel almost like they're neglecting the kid. They feel like I, you know, I can't just put him put him or her in front of an iPad or a TV or put them in front of their schooling or their their you know like. But I have I got stuff to do. I have a job to do, right? If I'm not making their meals or do. If they don't have that cheap op, they don't have a COO of the house, right? They don't have a Greta. Maybe they're a single parent, even. You know, what what are your thoughts on that conversation when it comes to managing the fact that sometimes you have to make tough calls on when you spend time with your kids and when you have to get other things done? How do you balance all of that? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, you know, look, there are, there are no necessarily right or wrong answers per se, right? Um, but the, the, the struggle becomes when you don't have any answer at all. Like when, when you're not set on what you want to have happen. Right. So, so like, you know, if you have two kids and, and you, you kind of suddenly get thrown into all this stuff, um, well, how much are you willing to adapt to the change in order to, um, fix the issue? So for example, you know, most things in life, are not like, oh, this issue is so hard, I can't figure it out. The issue is I'm unwilling to do what's required to fix the issue, right? So if I'm 10 pounds overweight, I don't really have to struggle on why that is, right? What I have to admit to myself is, Brad, you're not willing to not order crap you know, after you get off of a late night of work and that's why you're 10 pounds overweight. So with, with, with like working at home and children there, it's not that parents again, necessarily lack the information on what to do. Again, there's, there's better information and shortcuts definitely, but like, is it okay? Well, are you willing to give up, um, your Thursday night, Netflix binge to spend time with your children and practice and train what you're going to be doing during the time that you need to be working and your children need to be over here. You know what I'm saying? So like, right. Um, like what we tell the toddlers. So a toddler will never, a, a toddler will never perform in public what they have not first performed in the home. So a toddler will never sit appropriately through church quietly on a chair for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever if they have not done that at home, right, first. And so your child will never behave while you're on a Zoom call trying to conduct your business if you've never taken the time to show them exactly what you need them to do and then have them continue to practice that not while you're zooming. Right. So like we practice, um, like sitting in a chair, for example, is a skill. There's a right way and a wrong way to sit in a chair for a three-year-old. Right. And so we literally teach our three-year-olds how to properly interact with a chair. You don't stand on it and we don't turn around and we don't roll over on it and we don't tip back on it and we sit like this. And so, so they properly know how to do that. So then when dinner time comes, when the event comes and we need to have that happen, we know that we can then expect them because they performed it in a time of non-conflict, mm-hmm. then we can expect them to perform that. See, most, most families confuse training and discipline. Okay. We have to separate out training and discipline. So training is in a time of non-conflict showing your child what you want them to do. And then you confirming that they can actually perform the task that you'd like them to do. Then discipline is when you ask them to perform the task that you know they can do and they don't do it, then there's a consequence, right? We would never want to give a consequence for something, you know, the child, if we're like, Hey, empty, you know, like put the bowls away, but the child can't reach the top shelf. We would never want to discipline them because they didn't put the bowls away because they can't reach the top shelf. Right. So, so as we separate those two things, so are you willing to give up Netflix on Thursday nights to train your children 
to make your Monday morning meetings go better. And if you are great. And if you're not, that's fine too, but just don't complain about it. (laughs) Yeah, Like, like, like I used to play a lot of golf and I don't play golf hardly at all anymore. So it would be foolish therefore for me to have an expectation to where I could go out to the course and shoot par. That would be a dumb, dumb, dumb expectation. I have no basis to believe I could do that because I I don't practice anymore. And so it's that same, it's that same expectation thing um, that we need to fix with our family and boy, it sure solves a lot of headache. You've said a couple things that, that really stand out that I want to, I want to quickly take note of for those listening as a quick little, uh, kind of like taking inventory. So one thing that, that you touched on, I really liked and I'm looking down at my notes. Um, you referenced something and it's very similar to what Jeff Be- Bezos talks about. He talks about how all of his competitors are focusing on competitors. All they focus on is customers. They're like, I don't care what my competitors are doing. If I know more about my customer, then we'll be perfectly fine, right? So back to the counterfeit analogy. You don't have to know what everything is, all the world, the moving parts. You just need to know what the one thing is that matters the most. What is the value set? I think one thing you've you've really touched on from a macro that has been embedded into every answer, Brad, that I can really appreciate that I, I will say in with certainty that most people don't adopt this is what is the vision for your family? What the heck are we doing? Like, why are you having kids? What, what right, are you they, doing? Right, why, why do you have kids? What would you like out of, out of this unit, this family, this community? Look at the, it's a team. What, the, great teams have a common mission. It's not willpower. It's not willpower. It's why, I, you know, like you've heard that saying. It's not willpower. It's why power. Most people have the ability to be diligent, hardworking people, but you need a good reason to be hardworking and diligent. You need a reason to do it. What is your reasoning behind the practice and the parenting, all that? Right? The other piece that I really, really like is are you preparing for the event in a non-conflict? Uh, in, in a time in, of non-conflict. In a time of yep. non-conflict. I really like that because you're right. Oftentimes you go out to eat or you do something. Well, nowadays not going out to eat, but it, you know, <laughs> right? there, there's, there's, there's the I want to go do things and live a life. And you want your kids to be able to come with you and, and participate. But if you haven't practiced the skills necessary for them to be a, a well-behaved participant in that activity, then getting mad or trying to solve it is simply irresponsible and, and jaded. So are you practicing? You might have to give up Netflix, but are you willing to have short-term patience to get better results moving forward? It's like playing golf. <coughs> are you, you know, if you just expect to, to hit par every time, it's not going to work. you got to hit the, the putting green. you got to work on your technique. Are you flying off the rails? Your shoulders squared up? If you didn't practice, it's probably not going to go better just because you feel good that day, you know. Yep. So, so are you working in a in a, in a, in a, a time of not conflict? Um, you said something else that I really appreciate as well, which was focused on the idea of um, developing your kids as an opportunity versus an obligation, which is how kind of I, I interpreted it. You you touch on it in a sense as. You know, are you tre- like working with your kids to understand here's how we sit, here's how we do this, here's why we do this, you know, um, and understanding that it's not a task. Like if you approach parenting like this is just an obligation, we have to do these things, it's such a burden, of course it's not going to go that well, right? It's like managing an employee. If they feel like you don't want to work with them, why the hell are they going to want to work with you, right? Yep. Um, the other piece that, that I want to shift to as we look to wind down, we got five to ten minutes left. This flew by. Um and, and I want to touch on one thing uh, quick. Do, what's your, do you have any uh, opinion on NLP and like neuro-linguistic programming and things of that sort? I know that's obviously more and more popular in the parenting space from a one to six-year-old range before, you know. Opening up those loops, baby. Do, do, you, do, you, do you find any commonalities or value in that dialogue or is that a bit out of the scope of, of, of or the parameters you guys, fall, you guys look at when it comes to parenting? And <clears throat> Well, um, I think... I know I, I, I credit the ability, the, the ability to think sound, the, the ability to think soundly and critically is, I, is, is one of the most valued skills in the world in our lifetime in, in our abilities. And the yeah. smart people I know, the wisest people I know, they have the ability to separate their thoughts from their emotions, mm-hmm. right? Most people think out of their emotions. They have an emotion first, and then that causes them <clears throat> to think a certain way. Like, like you hit me, 
I'm angry now, and now I'm going to act upon that feeling. And teaching our children and being people that understand how to think critically and think without our emotions. Look at the world we live in today, right? There's a lot of people that don't know how to think critically, think clearly, analyze data and adjust, and they go out and they live out of their emotions, out of their feelings, uh, because we bought the lie that our feelings are our guide and let your heart, you know, all this kind of stuff and, and, and like follow your heart. And if it feels good, it's right. And you know, all the, like the no. source of the source of all of our, like these feelings and it, and it couldn't be more upside down. And so as I teach, as, as I, I teach my children to do that, the, I don't remember your original question, but, or how I got here, but that's just about NLP and program. It's like, do you oh yeah. To- so, so, so training, trainings are our children's brain the algorithm that we want them to how to approach situations yep. is, is the utmost important thing for sure. hundred percent. And, and look, all these things apply to your spouse, right? Don't, you know, don't address your spouse in the time of non-conflict in, in a time of conflict, right? Don't, don't wait till you and your spouse are at each other's throat to try to start fix a problem. You know, do these things slow and then, and then understand how to think. So like when my wife is angry with me again, which hardly ever happens, right? I start to think, I start to think the way that I've trained my brain to think when she's angry, I start to think not in a self offended way. I start to think, okay, something's wrong. She's upset. She's hurting. How can I alleviate the situation? What can I do to alleviate the situation? Clearly I've done something wrong. Clearly I don't want to do that thing again because I love my wife and I don't want to see her act like this. And it's this, this self-analysis um, that, that is, and, and that's how you influence your child, right? To wrap it all up in a pretty bow, right? That's how you become the strongest influence in the life of your child, you know, because the strongest influence in the life of your child wins. That's it. And so, and so if, you're, if you want to become the strongest influence in the life of your child and you send your kids to public school, you're going to have a hard time doing so. It doesn't make it wrong, but you're going to have to go, okay, I'm really going to have to definitely ditch Netflix on Thursday nights to really combat this and talk with my child and, and pull things out of them that I'm not there to see every day. And, and well, what do you think of this? And, and, and really master and program their brain and take a lot of time, effort, and energy to do so. Um, and if you don't, that's fine too. Just don't expect to shoot par golf, right? Don't expect that you're going to be the strongest influence in the, in the life of your child. Cause you probably won't. And, you Something. can choose to live your life that way. That's fine. But for $20 a month, I'll radically transform your life inside of our influencer parenting program uh, and help you do that. You know, so of course. It, it, it's very, you know, it's a, perhaps a strange analogy, but we live in a very instant gratification oriented society. And while the, the industry that is gardening is, is a very large industry, people like to harvest more than they like to tend to the garden. We want kids and we want people to be perfectly well-behaved in line with our expectations of what great looks like. But you have to go work. You have to go water the garden. You have to weed the beds. (laughs) You have to go take care of it. If it's raining, if it's not mulch, you have to do the dirty work so that when it comes spring, you have something to bring inside and, 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 and and use. Yeah. We're, we're not, you know, I always tell people we're not, I'm not special. Like I, I don't, there's no like Superman cape back there. Like I'm not an overly like special guy. I just try really hard. Like Greta and I, we we just spend a lot of freaking time on it. Like, and, and, and we try to then simplify it and and share it with others, but like we're super intentional about it. That that's all, that's the difference. And then we just help others be intentional about that with their family, right? That's the secret sauce. We, we make, we're like, we're like two thirds of grandmother. You never have, but like one third Jillian Michaels, you know, (laughs) they're like, you know, doing a little butt kicking, you know, and we just help people be intentional and plan and cast a vision for what they want their family to be like. And it 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 works. One last question before we wrap up. Technology is a very, very different variable 
than it used to be 20, 30 years ago with parenting, right? Being the strongest influence in the house was predicated on being the sole source of new and old information. Not the case anymore. You know, you'll walk into uh, a, a restaurant or, a, you know, go travel. Kids have iPads at the age of two. Like my first phone was fifth grade and it had no capabilities but text and call. And it was because I was a three-sport athlete. Very, like my, my parents didn't know how to find me. Right? It was like, if you're playing sports, I need to know when to pick you up. Or are you on your way back from the game? It was a means of finite communication to organize logistics. Yep. What is, is, how is technology folded into your framework when working with parents to be that influence when, let's be honest, technology is a gateway drug into influence beyond reason? Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> technology is, is a, you know, it, it's just like a gun. It's just like you said, there's nothing inherently wrong with guns, but if you misuse them, it's a pretty bad deal. So, <laughs> And again, this That's depends on your worldviews. There's no, there's no right or wrong answer per se, but like the longer you can hold those things off, the better you're going to be, the better people they're going to be. Right. Um, now there comes a point that every parent has to judge to where it's like, okay, am I sheltering my child from this? You know, it's like a boxer. If you're training a boxer, you, you don't on the first day of practice, throw them in a ring with an experienced boxer and just let them get beat to heck. Right. So you're going to train them and, and they're going to get a little stronger and a little bigger and a little technique and this and that. And, and then you're going to go, Hmm, I wonder what he'd be like kind of fighting a little, little tiny teensy fight. Let's go try it out. Oh, success. Good. Let's keep going. And so it's kind of like that with the iPad. It's like, huh, you want an iPad seven year old. Okay. Well, boy, you know, uh, th that would take uh, responsible children would, would get that. I mean, that would be a really responsible seven-year-old son. I mean, he, you know, they, they would, they would be the type of person that cleaned their room without asking for sure. And this, right. and this type of person. So, so I would be willing to give that type of person an iPad son. And so I'm painting the picture of the type of person that would be able to have that privilege. And then I'm going to give him a little bit of opportunity. I'm going to let the, I'm going to let the rope out this far and I'm going to see what I get. And then I'm going to let the rope out this far and see what I get. And then this far and see what I get. So the biggest mistake parents can make is not think their child are ready or have a child that's not ready and give them all the string, no rules, no holds bar, let them be on it all the time. The whole, that's, that's where it really goes wrong, right? We're going to, we're going to give incremental responsibility to our children. Right. And, and the biggest thing that I, I think is the iPad isn't the parent when you're not in the room. If you're busy, you hand it over, like, here, quiet, use this. Like, that's – iPads are not used as pacifiers for their brain. I'm not into that. I'm not yep. interested in that, right? So that flew by. I hope everybody enjoyed. Uh, let's kind of tie up loose ends, right? It, when, when it comes to parenting, have a vision for the family and what you want. You move like a unit. Uh, a, a, a team with no North Star is meandering aimlessly, and, and, tr and candidly, it's hard to course correct when you don't have a good reason to do it. Saying like right, you I, I think of something I I hear more than anything is you're more the messenger than the message. Hey, here's what we feel good looks like. Let's shift the pattern to this so that the behavior is good, the program is good, we can make sound decisions and process information and be happy people. This is the framework what what happy looks like, as opposed to saying that's wrong. I don't like that, right? There needs to be a reason. If you have a why, then the rest of it's calculated based on hey, remember we're trying to get here. That wrong turn wasn't because I didn't like how you took the turn. It's because we're still trying to get to that place. We got to make sure we're on track. That's not on track. Um, communicate in a time of non-conflict. I think that's probably the biggest thing I've taken away. Everybody wants to talk about it in the heat of the moment because we're going to talk about it now. Don't go to bed angry, right? Um, but the, the truth is you have to build the pattern of being able to solve problems But when you're not at a 100% thermometer, right? Um and, and I think there's a lot more, but um, Brad, I, you obviously have a lot going on. I want to turn it over for a minute or so for you to provide context where people can find you, what anything new, anything important in your world, and then I will tie up the loose ends for us. Sure. Yeah. So um, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. Um, you know, our podcast, uh, Parenting with the Zoods, um, you can check us out on the podcast. It's really good. Um, course i would say that right <laughs> i mean hey fifty thousand people uh, are stopping by it has to be something you know yeah so um uh if you have a baby that's not sleeping through the night you can go to mybabycansleep.com 
again, just, you know, names, name their book after our, our program and our course, mybabycansleep.com. If you have a toddler or teens and tweens, something, um, go to influencer parenting again, right up there, influencer parenting. Um, and literally, you know, on, on the toddler side for 20 bucks, I will dramatically transform your life. I mean, some of you are wearing more expensive socks than what it would be to like for me to transform your life. So, uh, just let that sink in. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, th those are the ways that you can find us. And uh, thanks for having me on. Of course. Everybody, y'all know the deal. This is First Floor Conversations. The view at the top is only as good as the foundation which preserves it. My name is Jeremy Franchese, Mr. Brad Zood. Everything you need from parenting, go check him out and uh, stay tuned for more.